Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, uh, starts, uh, the top one there is uh, my daughter, whose arm that was broken is recovering. She's got the cast off, and it goes on down. Lana has been recovering from her knee. And uh, on it goes. Everyone on there has uh, some pretty pretty serious concerns. Um, some I've see, even seen this week. <clears throat> you know, that song that we call the Lord's Prayer, some do, um, you know, that was... Jewish men asking Jewish teacher to teach them to pray all concerning the life of a Jew, that prayer was fulfilled. If you listen, read those words and see what happens. It's fulfilled. And when we hear it, we ought to re- realize we're not still wanting it's it's the it's the realization is it was fulfilled and I think it's wonderful, um, besides being beautifully done. Well, in uh, chapter five of First Thessalonians, and that's where we're going to be. The apostle Paul is teaching again. I say again because many times in these epistles, he has to reteach or say again maybe for the oh maybe the second third fourth I don't know how many times does it take to teach something for me I don't think I get it the very first time and it's nice to hear it the second time but you remember now there were questions and things that Paul had heard about the group they had questions they had concerns They were very worried about the apostles that had died. What if they all die? What if they're all gone? How about our brothers that have died and and the Lord hasn't come back yet? A lot of that's dealt with in 1 Thessalonians, the chapters, uh, especially 3 and 4. But here, the apostle is teaching, again, the... the, the, the subject matter of the day of the Lord that I keep calling the event. The great event, the parousia, which is the Greek for presence, the presence of, and this is just what the apostles asked Jesus in the garden, Matthew 24, uh, verse 3, I think. When will be the time of your presence and the consummation of the age? Now, what did they mean? Presence. We usually translate it in our Bibles, coming. Um, but in, indeed, it's the event. When will the event be? Did the Jews know about a great event coming in, in their covenant? Yes, they did. Yes, they all knew it. Some give little thought to it. Others give a lot of thinking to it. 
in the consummation of the age. What age? The Jewish age. First covenant came to an, a conclusion. All things fulfilled. The righteous Jews were 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 blessed, and 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 uh, are living with the Lord right now. Those that were punished were punished. But here's the thing: for us to grasp what he said to them, that is Paul, what he said to the church in 50, AD 52, 53, somewhere around that point, we must employ a unique approach. And I've been trying to talk about that unique approach in the last five weeks. Over and over again, I keep bringing it up. You know, using the rules of interpretation and all the specific points of it. Uh, David and I have a friend. His name's Brother Ron McRae. He's a, a kind of a retired preacher, an older man. He's an author of many, many books, 50, 60 books by now. A preacher in the Church of Christ his whole life. Anyway, here's what he, he writes about the unique approach. And I just got to share it with you. Just one little paragraph. The very difficult part comes in the very beginning when we start to read. If we are to properly understand the Bible, we must totally remove our 21st century or 20th century, whatever, where, pair you have, Western eyeglasses and look at the period of time from A.D. 30 to A.D. 70, specifically, with first century eastern eyeglasses in other words try to understand the new testament writings as the first century believers did look at the who what when where how and why of each of the epistles of the new testament now none of these books have the name of and he put his name here ron mcrae on them and neither do any of them have your name on them. We did not write any of them, neither were any of them written to us. If we can understand the conclusions that were reached by the ones to whom the letters were written almost 2,000 years ago, then and only then can we grasp the true meaning of these epistles or the Bible in general in a lot of ways. That's what Ron writes. That, that's pretty specific. It's very simply written, written, isn't it? And this man has three PhDs, and he's still able to write in a, in a way that we can read it. That doesn't seem to be the case all the time. Nonetheless, I think that's pretty basic, and that's what I've been trying to say, what I've been trying to demonstrate by the, the Scriptures themselves. We have the same issue in chapter 5. We've got this same issue in every part of these epistles that we read. If we're going to filter them through the confusion of our own biases and all when we read, we're not going to come up with what it's really saying. I don't know about you, but I can get pretty strong-willed, pretty strong-minded, uh, and kind of stubborn, maybe, 
But we have to give way to that, those things and do exactly what Ron is saying here. Understand it as they did. But, you know, to have that understanding, first we need the desire to have the understanding. A desire to understand it as it was written to them. As I said, we're reading somebody else's mail. I know I don't feel that bad about it in this case. I'm not going to do it to anybody else's mail. I wish I'd known this 50 years ago. Can I, I'd have made some real practical use of it if I knew this system, if I was aware of these things. <clears throat> and 50 years ago, I had a very well-organized list of things not to do, but I was real short on a list of what to do. And I'm not going to blame anybody. I think that's kind of my personality. Um, but nonetheless, uh, God is gracious in allowing us to grow, mature, and become uh, people that are useful to him and those around them. But you know, God's truth is always available in his word. If our heart is willing to go there, I believe he will show us through the, that word, through a real diligent way of looking at his word, the way to go. So, with those things being said, and I, I this message just is from Ron's, uh, uh, one of his little uh, books that he wrote, and uh, I had forgotten, but I probably, I know I read it before, but I just happened to run across it again. I thought, this fits perfect. I hope you enjoyed it. There's a lot of folks out there thinking like this. Uh, there really is. There's more and more and more. And, and David and I have had a real a lot of time, a lot of fun finding out different people that are thinking like this. You'd be surprised. Uh, so that's a real blessing uh, that we're sharing. Now, in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the first 11 verses, and we're not going to get through it uh, all today, but I want to read it to you because it takes off right after, um, right after the uh, apostle ends up teaching about the the catching away uh, and um, those things pertaining to the great event. Apparently, if somebody's taken this out of my Bible, but here it is. And remember, he's just going right along after he had said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Um, you know, in, in verse 11, he says pretty much the same thing about what he's going to say now concerning the day of the Lord. It's supposed to be a comfort. I think that's a good overview. It's a good overview. Don't don't forget that. This isn't an admonition. This is pure teaching from the apostle of Christ, from the throne of God to man. And I think we need to put it in that context in our in our minds and hearts. 
But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that ought be written unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. When they are saying peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall in no wise escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep, as do the rest, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, since we are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God appointed us not unto wrath, but unto the obtaining of salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, exhort one another and build each other up, even as also you do. So, in those first two verses, we get an idea of, apparently, something the church already knows. What the church knew. What the church knew. And see if we can see anything. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that ought be written unto you. And he goes, for you yourselves, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, Jesus made this clear about the day of the Lord. No man knoweth, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son himself. You know, there's only one great event, and this is the one being spoken about. In in, in grammar that is putting it into their time, into their lifetime, if you will. And we have all kinds of verses that I've been reading through this that shows that Jesus said this was for the generation that lives now, in his day. All right? That's not even an arguable point anymore. It, it can be ignored quite easily, but it's not an arguable point. So there were already things that were known from previous teachings of the apostle and others that followed him. Yet these things bear repeating, I think, for some are not sure of many things, especially those things to come. The apostles knew many things. Remember, the apostles were the only men ever to reveal the mystery of God and the gospel of Christ together to the world. And, and that very fact alone shows us in when we look at Ephesians chapter 1, and, and you're going to find that every verse in that, 
chapter right up to 2 verse 13 is reference to the apostles of Christ alone. Uh, you know, all the words such as predestined and things of that sort. These are not universal terms for people everywhere. It's only to those and to the apostles. In verse 13 it says, and you, and you, now there's the church in Ephesus, and it goes on to speak about them. This is how we understand these things, and we can sort them out. These remarks are addressed to the assembly here in Thessalonica, only to them. Unless this sort of thing is repeated in another epistle, uh, and some of this information is, but not all of it, not in every epistle, not mentioned, doesn't mean it wasn't preached. We can't know that. But it, it wasn't addressed, it wasn't written to us, to you or I. We were not there when the Apostle Paul taught these things. So we need to not speculate beyond the things that we can know for sure through the scriptures themselves. Which brings us to the next section. While they were saying peace and safety, uh, we find this, this, this thinking and this terminology uh, given, uh, rather represented in maybe some other words, in uh, Matthew 24, uh, Luke 21, Mark 13, Revelation, and of course here, and uh, referenced, uh, talking about a state of mind for the people involved in this, this idea of uh, what we've been reading about, there was going to be uh, a destruction coming upon them. Okay? What's it say in verses 3 through 6 again? When they, now I'm going to ask you pretty quick who you think they are. When they are saying peace and safety, then sudden Destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall in no wise escape. And by the way, that's the double negative there in the Greek, meaning they will not escape under any circumstances. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as do the rest, but let us watch and be sober. By the way, in verse 5 we see he's talking to the church with the yous and all, and he does turn back to first person plural with the we. But as we go on through this text, we'll find that if you are a son of the light, in Christ, that these things also apply to you as far as the wrath is concerned and not coming under it. So, who are the they of verse 3? It certainly isn't the Apostle Paul. It's not the other apostles. It's not the brethren in Thessalonica or because that's not what he's saying. He's taking it away from them. Uh, the they, I think, is a third person. 
Yeah, third person, and it's mentioned again. He's giving it, we have a new group here. We have a different group. But it's someone for sure, isn't it? Let me share with you. Alex doesn't have this in his outline, but in Matthew 23, I think this is Matthew 23 is a chapter that is so informative as, as far as our understanding of the Jewish world in the time of Jesus and what the situation was in their minds and hearts and what Jesus told them about themselves. Starting with the 23rd chapter, starting with verse 32, just read three or four of them. He's talking to, the, of course, the leaders of Israel. They are very, very, very upset with him and his words, but he continues on giving them all the information that they never wanted to hear. He says, fill you up then the measure of your fathers. You see, they're very proud of the fact they're sons of Abraham. But it was their fathers that killed all the prophets, you see. But they had a saying, of course, that if we had been there, this would not have happened. Well, Jesus says, fill you up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you offspring of vipers. How shall you escape the judgment of Gehenna? Therefore, behold, I send unto you prophets. By the way, do you notice, notice the I there? This is Jesus referring to himself. Behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them shall you kill and crucify, and some of them shall you scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. Does that sound like any kind of early Christian history that we find about in, in the scriptures? Oh, yes. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of Abel, the righteousness of the blood of Zechariah, son of Bechariah, whom you slew between the sanctuary and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. Now I know a lot of folks like to translate the word generation where it fits them as race. But it can't be done. Not in this context. Remember, context is one of the rules of interpretation. You take that out of this context, it means nothing. This is, these are personal remarks to men standing in front of him. I think we, we don't want to forget that. Luke chapter 21. Luke 21. Just verse 22. I'll just pick one out. Speaking about the same exact events as Matthew 24, end times as it's known. End times for the Jews, that is, to be more clear. clear. Jesus says, for these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. 
You know, the scriptures are just not going to let us not understand this. Not if we're being honest and fair. This occurs at the end of the age. To who? To the covenant people of God. To Israel. When Jesus was speaking in Matthew 23, he was speaking to the Jewish people. He wasn't speaking to the Gentiles. He wasn't saying, you Romans are going to burn. No. He was talking to the Jewish people and only to them. It all came to, to a, in, to fruition in uh, A.D. 70, the fall of Jerusalem, and, and thereabouts uh, some other locations after, even after that. And that's what Paul wrote about in first, uh, Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. What did he say? 2 Thessalonians 1.8. Speaking about this exact same time, day of the Lord, rendering vengeance to them that know not God and to them that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Pretty specific words, aren't they? So then the they, the they mentioned here, in this chapter, are the unrighteous, unbelieving Jews that had rejected Jesus as the Christ and obeyed not the gospel that the apostles taught. Matter of fact, many of these same people were persecuting and killing the apostles if they could. The unrighteous, the unbelieving Jews are the they that this wrath was to come upon. It was upon this generation, those living then, and those before that time as far as judgment goes, uh, in the the judgment we read about in Revelation, the last chapters, they're specifying, of course, the Jews again uh, in in the main text. the righteous and unrighteous that are raised. But even they lived in a world of covenant requirements. If they were not faithful to God's covenant, if they were unrighteous, if they were unbelieving, that God would ever send the Messiah, which was one of the things that they needed to be believing because it was God's promise. The promise that Abraham had passed on. God's promise of the kingdom that was coming. That Daniel showed them clearly in chapter 2. That they knew was coming. They knew this point was coming, the great event. Nobody today, none of the despots of our uh, recent past or even far past, none of these people are included in this judgment. Not even Hitler and his SS. When I was a boy, is all I heard about was his, what kind of punishment Hitler was getting in hell. And, and, and his minions, whoever they were. That's what we were concerned with. Instead of what it's all about, unfortunately. No. 
these are not these are not in, included in this judgment because everyone after the end of the Jewish covenant is living in a period of the new covenant the kingdom of god so everyone after that point will be judged solely on their relationship with Christ Jesus the messiah he's the savior of man and the kingdom of god that relationship has to be part of our life or we have no future that's worth existing in and all of this happens to them all that have come after the second or the new covenant was was begun will come upon them at their death. So, as I've said for many years, if you're really concerned about the end times, then you need to really consider your own end times, your own lifespan, because the New Testament sure is talking a lot about uh, the fact that when, when (laughs) when you leave these bodies, that you stand before the judge. I think that's important. Um, let's look at Matthew twenty four fourteen. I just put that there this morning when I was going over this. To give you a time period here. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world. For a testimony unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. Now, why is the end to all Christendom sometime in the future? Well, I know why. Because we're walking around right now, and we think, well, the end hasn't come yet. But do we know what the end is that Jesus was talking about? Obviously not. It's... uh, It's really something. By the way, many will say, well, the gospel is still being preached. Well, of course it is. But that isn't the point. We're talking about a time period here, just before the end came for the Jewish people. And if you look at Colossians in the first chapter, you're going to find two points in there where the Apostle Paul says, the gospel has been preached unto the whole inhabited world I'm going to believe him and put aside the gainsayers the naysayers and things uh, that might have objection to that today so my my conclusion comes from the apostles teaching not from the fact well it can't be the end yet but we've got to understand what the end is. If you'll look at the scriptures as a history book, you're going to find that beginnings and ends of a lot of things happened during that time period. Beginning and end. Even in the scriptures, I think it's in Ezekiel. Um, I can't quote the verse, but God knows the end of a thing before the beginning. I think it, the conclusion then is, that things can't have an end, and they're not an end for everybody. I know that's, that's a difficult one. By the way, 
just in the last few minutes we have, I want to explain to you this idea of peace and safety because it, it grabs me because I've read over and over again in Josephus, who was a Jewish historian that was actually taken by Vespasian, the Roman general, and his son Titus, captured up in the um, Galilee area. Uh, he was the general of the uh, the Jewish army that was fi- uh, fighting against the Romans in um, AD 67, I think, at that time period. <clears throat> he was captured. He was a uh, Pharisee. He was a Levite. He had high priests on both sides of his family, mother and father. Kind of reminds me of the quality of education and experience of the Apostle Paul himself in a lot of ways, except that he was in the priesthood and and a Pharisee. But he he writes about this encounter in in, uh, Josephus in Antiquities. First, he begins by describing Jerusalem in A.D. 60s and 70, describes the temple, and then he describes the entire battle that he was with, with Vespasian and Titus, as they went towards Jerusalem, the last place. There was a lot of fighting before they got to Jerusalem, of course. Well, Nero died early in AD AD 68, 14 years as a despot in Rome. And because of that, Vespasian broke off the siege at Jerusalem, where he'd been building ramps and he'd been doing a lot of things. He broke it off because he needed to return back to Rome, of course, and take his place as the new Caesar. So he had a few battles to do on his own on, on that, that way. He's out of the picture. He left Titus to continue, but you see he withdrew. He withdrew, and because he withdrew, in Josephus' writings, an atmosphere of kind of the people inside of the walls of Jerusalem, the, the ungodly Jews that were leading three different factions in there and claiming each claiming to be the Messiah and other things, they said, look, they run away. They quit. We've won. Peace and safety? Peace and safety? Think about it. That's just what happened. What they forgot was that Titus only moved back from the ramps. They weren't working anyway. And regrouped, refigured the whole thing. And when Titus came, came towards Jerusalem, that was it. He tore it up. Him and his army. So the rebel leaders inside of Jerusalem mistook it. They weren't ready for it. And when they came in, they crushed everything that was Jerusalem. Many of the people. So, and when did this occur? This occurs, all all of this occurs, from around A.D. 66 uh, through 70, um, in, in the whole period of time here in the late 60s A.D., 
This is the leading up to the great event. Matthew 24 and all these other places, Jesus tells of all the things that are going to be. And they all fit together perfectly. So I'm going to leave it off right there. And next time we'll get into about God, uh, God has not set us for wrath issue. Because that's going to take a little time. But I just want you to know that there's wonderful evidence on both sides of this, both the scripture and Josephus, which is not scripture. It's simply history. But if you learn who Josephus was, you'll find that he would have had little reason to manufacture any stories that weren't true here. This is his observation. He's quite a good observer. Those are my words today. I hope they're useful. We'll continue on with this concerning the day of the Lord. Next week, Lord willing, uh, we come together in this way. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.